let me tell you the truth. Like this journey of motherhood. <laughs> I was the perfect mother before I had children. I'm gonna marry you one day. <laughs> there are some like hard conversations that we need to have when I was with them. I'm oh, like, supposed to be that couple we were nine months ago. Making time for friends or getting friends, mom friends. We discover who Essa was as a mother. Living, you know, I mean, it was not a nice experience, but because I had God and was a married mom of one, now I'm a single mother of two. My kids think I'm the most beautiful person they've ever met. My daughter always tells me, "Oh my goodness, you are so beautiful." Hi guys, welcome to the Mama Happy Hour. I am here with Aisha. Hello. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. Um, yeah, so welcome to the Mama Happy Hour podcast. Um, this is a motherhood space. Yes, I'm the person who writes down notes. Um, a space, safe space for moms by moms. Um, this is basically a space where we... Um, share, learn, and encourage one another about all things motherhood. And yeah, so because we know, we know, and I understand that um, I've come to learn that the journey of motherhood, guys, um, can be both rewarding and a lot. It has its challenges and um, the role can be demanding physically, mentally, emotionally. Let's just talk about the emotions with motherhood, guys, emotionally. So that's why I created this space, guys. Um, this is a space where we can just share and have real conversation um, so we can help each other when it comes to this motherhood thing so that no one feels like they're alone and no one feels that they are left behind. So this is a community a real community um, where when we, we are having issues with something, we say it. If we're happy about something, we say it. Um, so it's not always doom and gloom, guys. <laughs> um, so this is, yeah, this is what we are doing today. Um, and it's basically just unscripted conversation. Uh, and I am joined with my first guest, guys. I'm so excited. I'm even nervous. Um <laughs> My first guest is Aisha. Um, she is a friend. Um, I have followed her journey, her motherhood journey, guys, for such a long time. And she's also encouraged me to, you know, step up and, and be in this space. Actually, before we, we actually hopped on, I was actually asking and talking. I'm like, yo, because she's she's been in this game. So she's been dropping tips <laughs> and gems for me. But today we are here because we are discussing PICOS um, and fertility. And this is a conversation we want to have. And before when we were having it, yo, technology, guys, was just not on our side. And I'm glad that she came to do it here with me in studio. Welcome, Aisha. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> so tell us, who is Aisha? Ooh, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> um, who is Aisha? Aisha is a creative. Aisha is a mother, a wife, a friend, a daughter, an entrepreneur, a content creator, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> a sister, you know, dot, 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 dot. As with so many yeah. women, I wear so many hats. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's me. Um, I primarily for a living, I'm a full-time content creator mm -hmm. over at Aisha and Life. And <laughs> as you said, obviously, I've been doing this for a really long time. Um, and a couple of people have asked me before, they're like, when do you think you're going to stop? And I'm like, I think when I have 
told all of the stories that I yeah. have to tell. Yeah. That's really where I'm, when I'm going to stop, when I feel like, okay, I think I've helped enough people yeah. now with sharing my story. And truly, it's a journey. I mean, mm. it's not something that, you know, after 10 years, at least um, all the things that you wanted to say will have already been said. Yeah. Um, maybe you'll experience something that you haven't experienced with your children now. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it, because it is a complete journey. And, you know, I obviously, as you know, I started off... Um, you know, sharing my story of hair, yes, my journey of hair. And that was, you know, how many years ago? Yeah. But it's still something that resonates so much with so many women, so many black women, African mm. women. Um, and I never started off by saying, you know, I want to be an, an influencer and I mm -hmm, want to do this. Mm -hmm. It was just like, I'm struggling with this right now. And maybe I'm not the only one. Yeah. And so that's why I started my, you know, uh, blogging, yes. you know, back when blogs were the only thing. And um, it just grew from there. And then I became a mom about five years into my blogging, yeah. um, you know, journey. I became a mom and that on its own was like a complete game changer. Yeah. And I went through so many things. I still go through so many yeah. things that I'm like, why are we not talking about exactly. this? Exactly. Or why didn't somebody tell me about this? Why, why didn't I get a heads up? Mm -hmm. And so again, I found myself feeling very alone in that journey. Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to share that with others just so that they, they also know that, you know what? It's not just me. She also went through that or she's come out on the other side mm. of whatever challenge it is when it comes to motherhood. No, I love that. I love that. Now that we are... Talking about all things motherhood, I want to ask. Um, let's go back to the life of Aisha before motherhood. Okay. Um, like did you know? Ago. I know it's a throwback. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you know? Are you were you the type of woman who envisioned your life like, okay, cool. By the age of this, I want to have kids, and um, I want to have the you know my husband uh, for us to marry at this age. Were you the structured woman, or were you just one of those people who were just going with the flow? I was very structured. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I'm also laughing because people who really know me still think that I am super structured. Yeah. You know, um, but I've definitely loosened up since then. Yeah. But okay, going back to um, before I became a mom. Yeah, um, I had, I, I wasn't necessarily very, very strict. I'd say maybe mm -hmm. about um, from a percentage point of view, maybe 80% yeah. structured. Yeah. You know, like still very cognizant of the fact that I'm not in complete control of my life. Yeah. Um, there's a higher power yeah. that, you know, watches over me and everything. Yes. Um, but I was very much like, okay, all I need to do to be successful and to be, you know, I need to go to school. Yeah. Get good grades. Yeah. Um, you know, wait until I'm at least 26, 27 years old before I even think about marriage. Yeah. I should have my own job first. I should, you know, all of those the African narrative, very yes, much. yes, you know, yes. I grew, obviously, I grew no, up I mean, parents, exactly. But we, but I grew up in Europe, and so there was always that almost juxtaposition of okay, that cool. kind of westernized lifestyle versus what I was being told at home. Yeah. So that always kind of created a little bit of a hmm, you know, in my mentality. Yeah, yeah. But I have two older sisters who are very, very successful. Yeah. From a career point of view. As well as, you know, academically. Mm -hmm. And I, I always looked up to them like, that's who I want to be. Yes. You know? And so for me, I was like, I want to fall in love. Deep, deeply in yes, love. Yes, I've yes, I've always been in love with the idea of Being love. Being loved. Yeah, yeah, no. 
I think it's 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 a good thing. I think you know having that sort of plan um you know I was not as detailed as you. I had yeah. a rough sketch. Um, yeah. You had a full portrait. Um <laughs> uh so I same African story but mm. very African parents. Mm. So you know it's only a certain age that you can start saying boyfriend. Exactly. And 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 um so I didn't get into that whole fairy tale thing. I was like when the person comes then we will see. Yeah. Because also it depends, you know, and that's how you see love and you feel mm. love and that's why you are so loved to date because um you 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 actually wrote it down and you manifested it. I did. Yeah. I really did. <laughs> and you know the thing is I I did that before even knowing that was a thing. Oh. When I love I, that. Yeah, when I was a teenager, I was just like one day I'm going to fall madly in love with someone and they're going to fall madly in love with me and I'm going to have the most amazing love yeah, story. Yeah. I believed it. And what do you know, I met my now husband yeah. um when uh, I was 18. And yeah, we're high school sweethearts. We've been together since matric. Yeah, yeah. And I just had this feeling when I was with him. I'm like, I'm going to marry you one day. <laughs> so I did actually almost yeah. speak it into, into reality. Into reality. No, yeah. that's that's beautiful. Um, Now that you had planned yourself in this space, because, you know, as women, we need to take care of, of ourselves. Were you taking necessary steps Um, when I asked that? Why we doing any visits what what were you doing to like make sure that by the age of let's say 26 27 you have your first child mm. um what what steps did you take well firstly even though i grew up with that background of you know being um exposed over not exposed but very very much in, immersed into the more westernized kind of culture yeah. i still was very much like i need to be married before i have kids yeah yeah i just knew it just wasn't going to fly with my family <laughs> i knew especially with my dad yo the african there's parents no ways, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know so that was my first thing right yeah, yeah. but because i already knew um quite early on that yeah. my husband was going to be my husband i'm like this is it i'm done you know yeah. Um, I did start like looking into the whole how do I get pregnant um journey. Um, it kind I kind of stumbled onto it to be honest. Okay. So I had been going to the gynae as they mm. recommend, you know, for your yearly checkups yeah, and things yeah. like that. I didn't really think anything of it, but since I was about fifteen years old, yeah, I always knew something wasn't quite right. Okay. Yeah, okay. about like my body. I knew mm -hmm. something was going on, but I didn't know what exactly yeah, it was. Yeah. And so when it came to the pregnancy uh, or like the fertility part of my journey, mm. it, like I said, unintentionally, I came across my, you know, PCOS, yes, yes. like status or right. condition rather. Um, it was very accidentally. I wasn't trying to get pregnant okay, okay, at that okay. point. Um, it was because of my my quest <laughs> in a way yeah. to find out what is wrong with me what yeah. is going on in my body that's not quite right and that's how i stumbled onto the pcos okay um so when you went into this um when finally like when you stumbled into the pcos um mm. how how was that i mean how how did you get there okay yeah all right so um starting from yeah Basically, from when I was about 15 years old or so, mm. you know how 
you're, I don't know, in the changing rooms or you're having a sleepover at a friend's yeah, house yeah. or whatever it is, at, at some point you you see how your friend's bodies look, yes, right? Yes, yes, And it was at that point where I started seeing that, hmm, mm-hmm. I actually have like more hair than mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. lot of these other yeah. girls do. And even in our conversations, you know, yeah, we'd have yeah. conversations about, oh, do you shave? You know, yes, when we're starting yes. to like... No, the teenagers. The teen yes. talk, yeah. You know, do you do this and what do you do and blah, blah, blah. And like every time it came up, it started mm-hmm. getting me very nervous because yeah. I was like, I have a feeling that no one else has mm-hmm. hair in the places that I do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so um, that's when, that was the first time that I sort of knew or felt like, hmm, maybe I'm not, you know, and I put this in quotes, normal. Yes, right? yes. There's something different. Something different yeah. is going on here. And so I brought it up, you know, back in the day at 15, I wasn't going to see the guy yet. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I brought it up with my GP and I mentioned it and, you know, he just sort of fluffed it off like, yeah, that's kind of normal as you grow older and stuff. A yes, lot of women yes. have like facial hair yes. and, you know, hair in places that are like traditionally men, like male places and mm, things like that mm. is really no big deal. Um, but he never actually looked, you know, to actually see like the severity it? of yes, it. You yes, know, yes, he just yes. sort of like brush it off like, ah, it's really no big deal. I think he kind of thought this is a teenager. She's maybe overthinking things. Yeah. It's really no big deal. Yeah. So that's where it kind of like started. Mm. And so since then, since I was about 15 until my early 20s, yeah. I was like constantly trying to remove that hair. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's shaving, it's, um, you know, it's pillage cream mm. to waxing to I tried everything. And as I got older, mm-hmm. it got worse. And by worse, I mean it was like much darker, much thicker, mm-hmm, much. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of people they always like they they see my hair on my head and they're like, "Oh my God, you have so much hair! You're yes, so blessed." Yes. And I'm like, "Thank you." The curse of it is that I have hair in all other places too. So, yeah. Yeah. So um. So yeah, I have lots of hair in my head, but I've I've got also got thick eyebrows, and mm-hmm. I've got hair on my arms, yeah. and I've got you know, hair on my neck and I've got hair on like my tummy line and stuff Mm, like that. And mm. so that really started, you know how it's almost like every single woman has a thing, you know, that, you know, we're so insecure about, you know, oh, my thighs are too big or my thighs aren't big enough or my butt's too big or my butt's not big enough. It's always something. It's always something. And so when my friends were having these conversations, I was sitting there silently because I didn't have any issues with my body in terms of my shape. It was my body hair. But no one talked about it. So I just always stayed quiet. Mm -hmm. So a lot of, I think a lot of people kind of looked at me like, oh, so you don't have any You don't have any issues. You don't have any issues. You know, Aisha thinks that she's all that because she doesn't have any issues with her body. It's like, no, actually I do. Mm. But I was just so terrified of talking about it, you know. Um, and so, yeah, it, it just got worse and worse mm. as I got older. And so every time I would remove the hair, I'd be like, oh, such a sigh of relief. Yes, yes. So I'm like, okay, it's done now. No one has to look at my neck. No one has to, you know. Mm, mm. Um, and I would never wear bikinis, for example, because mm. I had hair on my tummy. Yeah. You know, um, and so it just, it got, it, it became so part of my sort of grooming, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I know that all of us have a grooming routine, yes, right? Yes. But I had gotten to the point where I'm just like, I would shave on Monday and then two weeks after that, I'd have to do it again. Yeah. Or a week after that sometimes, mm. depending on my cycle, Yes. I'd have to do it again. And so that really started to, to bother you. me. Yeah. Yeah. Apart from the um, hair 
Mm. Are there any other symptoms that you picked up, obviously, as you're growing older? Yeah. So funnily enough, that was actually the only symptom that really that I really noticed. Okay. I did notice other things, but I had no idea that it was all related. Okay. That okay. Sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so um, with PCOS, a lot of women, including myself, it inf- it affects your insulin okay. resistance, yes, right? Yes. How your body breaks down um, sugars mm-hmm. and all of that. And so I didn't know at the time, but like I'd say around my mid twenties, mm-hmm. but like a bit about a year or two before I was diagnosed, I started yeah. getting really cloudy vision, mm. like almost like. Sp- Spots mm. as if you've ha- you've got something like a like a dust uh, in particle eye. in your eye. Okay, but I didn't have any dust in my <laughs> eye. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I was walking around sometimes, especially after I'd eat, I'd have this like hazy sort of cloudy kind mm, of vision, mm. and I'd keep blinking, and sometimes it goes, and sometimes it didn't. Mm. And at first, I didn't think anything of it, but then it kept like happening yeah. like, often. And so again, this I didn't relate the two. Yeah. Um, and then I was also gaining weight, like very like uh what's the word? Um, just inconsistently. Yeah. 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 Um, I would be eating the same things, I'll be exercising the same way, but all of a sudden I'm five kilos heavier. And for me in my petite frame, yeah, that's quite a lot, you know. Yeah, so yeah. I would yo-yo from you know this jean size to that jean size and I saw I'd always have like maybe three pairs of jeans on rotation because you know I wouldn't I wouldn't really Mm, know mm. in January I fit into a size eight in like March I'm fitting into a size 12 or 10 or whatever it is Mm. so again I didn't realize obviously now in hindsight I'm able to now link all of those symptoms together Okay. And then finally, the mental health part of it. Okay. Um, I had my first recognizable bout of depression when I was in my teens. Okay. Um, whether it was related to this or not, I can't really say. I mean, you can't yeah, really, yeah. you know, but looking back on it, it's very likely yeah. that it was. Um, and then uh, since then, until my second bout of depression after I had my first son, Kai, I've just always been a very anxious person. Mm. Very, very anxious. Mm. And I didn't realize that that wasn't normal. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I know in these days, yeah. it's kind of normal to be anxious. Yeah. But I seem like yeah. it's not supposed to be, you know. Um, mm. And I always kind of uh, chalked it up to maybe the way my family, you know, how we grew, grew up. up yeah. We're yeah. Such, like, my family are very much high achievers and... I think that has played a part in it. The pressure. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. But I think also just from a metabolic point of view and a hormonal point of view, I think that also has affected, you know, my levels in a way that I am more prone to to anxiety, to depression and other mental health conditions as well. I actually um, read about that and Mm. I I wanted to even ask, like, um, how do you then protect your mental space? Oh, Rachel, how much time do we have? <laughs> you know what? To be honest, I don't think I've figured it out yet. Okay. I'm still in the process of yeah. it. Um, but there are certain things that I have found that work. Okay. Um, I think one of them for sure is identifying my triggers. Yeah, yeah. So from a physical and um, environmental point of view, it's yeah. things like sleep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, I think sleep is so underrated um, in this day and age. It's very yeah, much like, yeah. let's do this, let's do that, let's do, yeah, you know. Yeah. And for me, I'm like, actually, no, if I don't get one decent night of sleep, 
I, I mean, I say this and it sounds funny, but it's the truth. I'm like a troll the next day. Sure. You know? Just like that, huh? Just, <laughs> just like that. You know? yeah, yeah. I love my husband so much, guys. Shit. Like, he's, he really you. puts out. You. <laughs> yeah. Ne. But love. <laughs> love. Yeah. But it really does affect me, you yeah. know. Um, And so, you know, I have to make sure that I've got good sleep yes. hygiene. I'm still working on it. Yeah. I'm much better these days than I was before, but I'm still working on it. Yeah. It's kind of tricky with three kids. Yes. And, you know, um, a Balancing, career and yeah. all of that stuff and all there's just never enough time in the day. Yeah. Um, but I'm I try really hard to make sure that my sleep doesn't suffer because of it. Yeah. And then that. um, so that's one of my biggest triggers. Not eating well is another one okay. of mine. Um, if I'm just like eating like junk food all the time, you know, sodas yeah, and yeah. you know, in yeah. SA they call them cool drinks. Yes. But, um, all of that stuff, then I could I could feel that my body is sluggish and my mind is just not, mm, mm. you know, centered. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then another thing as well is setting boundaries. I that's something for me that I'm like, yeah. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I a lot you. of the times um as women we are encouraged not to yeah. set our boundaries because you sort of have to be able to do it all. Yeah. Able to do it all, accommodate everybody. Yeah. Um never say no. Yep. You know, if you say no, it's like your B, your you yeah, know, yeah, um yeah. all of that, but for me these days it's really important for me to actually even if I find a different way of saying no, I'm able to be like, you know what? Mm. Um, I'm, th- I'm not able to do this yeah, right now. Yeah, I'm 100%. not able to help. I'm not able to um, com- commit to whatever it is. Yeah, and so yeah. that lessens the pressure off of me. Okay. No, yeah. that's, that's... And apart from now that you found that you have the PICOS, um, mm-hmm. did you go somewhere to finally get it diagnosed? And after you did... Mm. What steps did you take? Because now, okay, you are living with PCOS, yeah. right? So what steps did you take apart from, I mean, as we've gone deeper on the mental hygiene part of it, like mm. what else did you do? Did you now, did you have to switch your diet? Yeah. So, okay, let me, I'm trying to just put together all of the, how, how I got diagnosed okay. and then what I did afterwards. Um, so the, the diagnosis story is still, I'm able to tell it now not as much of a um emotional <laughs> in such yeah. an emotional way but it was actually i feel quite traumatic yeah. because um basically what happened was i was about 26 years old 27 years old and i mm-hmm. started going to um a laser hair removal yes. salon yes um to finally get rid of this hair mm-hmm. right um so i wanted to start off with my facial hair i had a lot of hair um, on my neck and it was starting to creep up onto like my cheek areas. Mm. And so I went there and um, I booked like a six or eight session um, package. Yeah. And they told me by then, uh, by the end of the, the treatment, my hair will be permanently removed. Okay. I'm like, okay, mm. great. Mm. So I go, I do all of my sessions. By session like seven or so, yeah, so seven or eight, the lady was just like, listen, um, I don't know if this is actually going to work for you because your hair keeps coming back. You know, it's not at that level that I'm expecting at this point. Yeah. So she's actually the one who alerted me to say, I Mm. think you might have something deeper going on. It's not a superficial thing. It's not a hair thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think you Mm. need to maybe go to um, a professional and get your hormones checked. Okay. 
So that was the first time that I heard of it. I'm like, um, okay. So mm-hmm. she's like, I can continue doing the sessions, but I also don't want you to be wasting your money. Yeah, yeah. At least she was honest. At least she was honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so that's what I did. I booked an appointment with the GP, um, my husband's um, family GP, and went through. And um, I, I told him that, listen, I've been battling with this for the past 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. I'm really struggling. I don't know what to do. I feel like it keeps getting worse the older I'm getting. And he just blurted out, oh, that's, that's because you have PCOS. Jeez. And I was just like, what? What are you, what are you talking about? What is that? What is, like, yeah. yeah. And you know, the only time that I'd heard of PCOS was, I think I'd read like an issue of Cosmo yeah, uh, about yeah, a year ago. Magazines, yeah. 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 And um, they had like, you know, uh, uh, an article talking about the, the conditions that cause the most, inf- oh, the, was it the top conditions that cause infertility in women? Yes. And PCOS was there. Right. So as soon as he said PCOS, I straight away remembered that article. And the first thing I thought of was infertility. Now, infertility is something that um, I have some very close, um, you know, women in my life who have struggled to fall pregnant naturally. And so I was already on the radar for Mm. that. But Mm. as soon as he said that, I immediately thought, oh, my God, me too. So yeah, that's, that's how I was sort of diagnosed. Yeah. I had a really um, awful experience with that doctor um, because he didn't explain anything to me. He was very much, you know, that kind of arrogant doctor yeah, who, yeah. you know, just told me, because I said, so what am I supposed to do? What and he next? Just, yeah, yeah, what next? Yeah. He says, just eat different. Stop eating sugar. That's what he told me. <laughs> I was just like, "Geez, what? how does that help anything? So he didn't actually go through explaining yeah. any of it. So I just was like, okay. So I went back home. Um, he said that he was going to let me know when he can do like a test or whatever. Because I said, don't you need to do a test or something? Yeah, yeah. You can't just diagnose me by looking at me. Mm. Um, and so I followed up with him about a week later. And I told this uh, story on my YouTube channel in further detail where this guy hung up on me. What? When I was asking him the questions, yes, he's like, yes. but Aisha, I've already told you you have PCOS. I'm like, yeah, but you haven't done any kind of tests. Isn't there like a blood test you can do? Yes. Or some kind of like, you know, something beyond just looking at looking me. At and somebody. Because yeah. he said, basically, he said, I can tell by looking at you because of how your body gains weight. And I just thought it was just so bizarre. Yeah. And so I kept asking him and, and definitely not in a you know, um, aggressive way or anything. But I think he took it in a way that, who are you to question me? Yes. And he hung up on me. I remember this, this happened at work. I was, I was on my lunch break and I was absolutely devastated. I just collapsed in the room that I was like the meeting room that I had taken the phone call. And, um, my partner at the time, my teammate, um, at, at work came and she was just, she saw me like bawling. She's yeah, like, what happened? Yeah. So for me, I just, I'm 27 years old. You know, I've found the love of my life. Yes. I've done all of the, the right things. You yeah, know, I'm supposed yeah, to do. you've done it the right way. I've done it the right way, yes. blah, blah, blah. I haven't gotten married yet. I haven't tried for a baby yet. But here I am thinking I'm going to struggle to get pregnant because that's how I, that's mm. all I knew about PCOS by then because this doctor just left me hanging. Um, so after that, and, you know, I told my husband at the time, he was my boyfriend and we talked about it. And so, um, I spoke to his mom, yeah. um, about the whole situation. And so she recommended an endocrinologist okay. that she, um, was seeing. 
and said, maybe, I don't know if it has anything to do with that, but maybe mm. you can speak to him and tell him and, you know, and so... You can manage, yeah. Yeah, so then, thankfully, I got an appointment with him. And since then, he's been my my main doctor in oh. terms of managing and treating the yes. PCOS. Yes, And he told me, Aisha, you wouldn't believe this, but I'd say about 50% of the women that walk into my office are suffering from the same thing. So the first thing I need to tell you is don't worry. Okay. We will fix this. Wow, such a difference. Huh? Complete difference. Complete difference. And he took about 30 minutes or so explaining everything that was going Jeez. on in my body. Yeah. He did like, um, what you call it, like a scan, yeah. an ultrasound and stuff to check. He saw so many cysts around my ovaries. Mm, mm. So he told me, this is how we diagnose PCOS. I don't know. It might be different now. Yes. Um, because this was, what, 10 years ago? Yeah. Um, but he told me how they diagnose PCOS. They take blood uh, tests and they do like a little ultrasound scan. scan. So they did all of that. And he confirmed that, yes, I, I do have the symptoms um, that point to PCOS. And then the um the blood test showed that my hormones were mm-hmm. out of whack. Mm-hmm. I had a deficiency in vitamin D as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it explained mm-hmm. so much of what I was going through. The excess hair, the um the cloudy vision, because mm-hmm. that was basically my insulin resistance acting Jeez. up. Um the weight gain and the, the fluctuation of the yeah. weight gains as well. So I, f- I finally had answers. I finally had answers. And so he was the one who actually put me on a low GI diet. Yes. Um, explaining why that would help me, as well as um, some supplements for yes. me to take to help with my vitamin uh, D deficiency. And um, my cortisol levels were very, very low as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he also put me on um, the pill uh, Diane. And he said that that pill in particular, he he likes to prescribe mm. to for patients with PCOS. Um, just to help regulate like their hormones a bit yes, better. Yes. Yeah. So he basically the plan that he put together was like, listen, you guys aren't trying for a baby just yet, so we yes. have some time to get your body ready for when you for are, when yes you are ready to mm. finally conceive. So instead of starting the plan and mm. the treatment when you're already at that point of I want to yes, have a baby, yes, he's yes, like, let's yes. start it now. Give your body some years, however many, however much time you yeah. guys are thinking about before you want to start a family so that hopefully by the time you guys do um, want to have a baby, then your body's ready to do that. So yeah. that's that's basically how it, it kind of started in terms yeah. of the, the treatment management of it. But I'm glad that you finally got the answers. And I think, you know, getting, I don't know how to say this, but actually having a doctor who is actually positive about you know, with a certain experience, mm. it really helps. Mm. It because, really does. Um, you know, I also went through like the similar, the ectopic thing. Mm. I was so scared mm. um, after my ectopic pregnancy that I would not get pregnant or I would end up getting another ectopic mm. pregnancy. So the way he handled it actually also made me feel positive. Yeah. Like, actually, guys, I can do this, yeah. you know? Because at least all your questions were answered. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, how do we go from here? What's the treatment? And that made you also in, a, in your... Because also, like, this thing also comes down to your mental space. Oh, yeah. Because you can't be like, I'm stressed, but I want yeah. a baby. Yes, exactly. It doesn't work, Yeah, you know? So the fact that he alleviated that stress from mm. you is very good. I'm mm. sure that's why you're with the same doctor until now. Yeah. 
So let's talk about the fertility part okay. now. Yeah. Um, so once he put you on the pill, mm. did you finally go back and say, Doc, I'm ready? And did that take long? Was was it a long waiting period? Um, okay, until you finally yeah. fell pregnant? So basically, um, I was 27 when I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And then I was 28 when we got engaged. And then 29 when we got married. Mm. So very much like now I'm going back to my plan. I'm yeah, like, okay, yeah. I want to have my first kid before yes, I'm 30. Yes. <laughs> no. We're back on track. <laughs> Hopefully, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And so that was the plan. But we were also like, you know, we want to also want to enjoy each other yes. first and things. So basically what happened was I started getting horrible migraines. Yeah. I'm still on the pill. I'm still on all of the, the things that he, he put me on. Yeah. But I started getting really, really bad migraines, like the point where I almost thought I was going to crash my car. They were like blinding migraines. Mm. And so I went to the to um, a gynae. So this, mm. the, but my doctor is an endocrinologist. He's not a gynecologist. Oh, right? okay, okay. And so I thought that it was uh, like linked to my cycle. Yes. Well, I was pretty sure it was linked to my cycle. You know, um, every time my period was about to come, I'd get, get these the, horrible yeah. migraines. Mm, mm. So two, three months of that, I went to a, a gynecologist. I had been seeing her for maybe not not long. So mm-hmm. she was pretty new still. So she ends up telling me, oh, um, it sounds like you've got endometriosis. Oh. Again, I'm like, how? How do On you know that? The, like, the picos- Right. Yeah, yeah. So she's another doctor who just didn't really <laughs> examine anything and she yeah. just sort of threw it out there. So I'm like... But endometriosis now, because I've been reading on things, I know yeah. that endometriosis is also another fertility yes, um, yes. condition, right? Yeah. So I'm just like, well, hang on a minute. Can you actually give me proof of this? Because yeah. I already know for sure that I have PCOS. I can't yes. have endometriosis on top of that. Or maybe I can, but I want I want some kind of proof. Answers, yeah. So then she said, look, we can actually go ahead and do a, um, like a laparoscopy. Mm-hmm. Um, I might have pronounced that word terribly a laparoscopy yes, <laughs> yes, yes. and um you know i'm like well what does that involve and she told me yeah it's a you know it's slight incision when we yeah. do this and i'm yeah. just like uh no <laughs> no <laughs> no it's too invasive it is very invasive yeah. i'm like just to check that like really mm. so then she said the other alternative is you get off the pill and you try to get pregnant that usually helps. Yes, it actually does. So you, I was just like... You're actually the second person I've had say that. Right? Yeah. No, but for me, I'm just like, I'm not going to get pregnant just because I want to stop having yeah. migraines. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, Can you actually. please just help me? <laughs> I'm not in a place in my life right yeah, now where yeah. I want to have a baby just yet, yeah. right? So she's like, well, the only other option is that we do the... The periscopy. <laughs> you can say the word. <laughs> I can say it because can I say. had it. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so... I went back home again, devastated mm. to now my my now husband, yes. right? Because before he was my boyfriend, and we had a really long, hard conversation. Like, let's be real: do yeah. we want kids? Yes. When do we want them? You know, and having even though we had that conversation before, it was really serious now because I mm. felt like mm. this felt like my 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 body clock was now really ticking, ticking. because that gynecologist also told me that it's going to be very difficult for you to fall pregnant naturally. So um, I suggest you get off the pill mm-hmm. and just try. Just let it happen. It's yeah. going to take you a while. That's what she had told me. The first doctor, the GP who just mm. blurted out that I was going to, that I had PCOS, PCOS yeah. he also told me the same thing. 
yeah, it is probably going to be very difficult for you to mm, fall mm, pregnant. Mm. And um, another uh, GP after that, after I didn't want to, you know, go yeah. to him anymore, said the same thing. So this is now the third, third doctor, doctor telling me yeah. it's going to be very, very difficult for you to have kids. It's going to be very, very difficult. Yeah. So I'd suggest that you get off the pill now yeah. and give it a go. It'll help with your endometriosis. It'll help with yada, yada. Uh, yeah. And so that's when me and Kev were just like, okay, let's just look at this realistically. Yeah. Um, according to the stats, you know, not stats or research rather, if you get off the pill, it usually takes a bit of time for your natural fertility to come yes, back. To kick in. So that's what I knew. And so he, that's what he went by his walls. We're like, okay. Let's do it. Let's just do it. Yeah. It's going to be fun trying. Yes, it's going to be fun <laughs> times anyway. <laughs> So if I fall pregnant in six months, if I fall pregnant in a year, that's not too bad. We're ready for that, right? Rachel, I fell pregnant the second month. So I went off the pill like in September. Yeah. I went off the pill like in August. I fell pregnant in October. So I had like one (laughs) period in between Mm -hmm. and then I was pregnant. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So it didn't take time at all? Not at all. Okay, okay. Um, I think that's encouraging because, um, you know, you you want to also tell the ladies who have just kindly been diagnosed with PCOS that actually it may take a long time, but it may not. It may so not. Mm. it's it's not something like it's a stigma of now you it's 100% you're going to take forever or you're going to be infertile. Right. Clearly, you're, you're showing us that with a plan, it can work. Yeah. Well... Look, again, I'm not I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I'm not a medical professional. Um, I might have also just been lucky. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, I don't think anyone, not even the doctors, can yes. say for sure why I was able to fall pregnant as easily as I did. That quick. There's the theory, um, of course, according to my endocrinologist and mm. my my current gynae, because after that that other gynae who yeah. told me that I had endometriosis, I found another one as well. So my current guy, and he also said, look, it is very, very highly possible that the reason why you were able to fall pregnant naturally mm-hmm. is because your body was like, you know, kind of um, on the mend, for lack of a better term. Yeah. yeah. You know, you were eating right. You're exercising. Okay. Um, okay. You know, you were you were basically nourishing your body and taking, taking care, care of, of your it. body. You know, watching your mental health state, all mm. of that. Mm. That all he was saying, like if you if you're able to take care of yourself holistically, then you've got a fighting chance, you know, to battle any of these issues. Okay. So there that's what I genuinely believe. Yeah. That's what my doctors believe. But I don't think anyone can actually say for sure that if yes. you do this, if you do that, you will definitely fall pregnant. I mean, at the end of the day, it's up to God, really. Even with like no issues. Even there's with, always like a exactly. It's always a journey yeah. because you know the first one might be like woohoo, mm-hmm. two months mm-hmm. in. Then the next one can be like one year or ten years yeah. because I've had stories right. where the first one was so easy, mm-hmm. the next one was such a struggle. Yeah. So I I get I get what you're saying. Yeah. But at least it is possible. It and is. I mean I love the way the doctors emphasize like taking care of yourself, taking mm-hmm. care of yourself in general mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. helps. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So for the ladies like trying to conceive and you know you you've just gotten this diagnosis of PCOS, it's not the end. It's not the end. It's not the end. I thought that when I was 27 years old, not married yet, fine, yeah. I'd find I'd found I had found my guy, 
but we hadn't gotten married yet. And that was also a, a thing that I was like, is he still going to want to marry me? True. <laughs> you know, because I was like, if it's going to be hard, that's not yeah. a journey that, you know, a lot of people, well, maybe people do go on um, willingly or knowingly. Yeah. But a lot of the times you you get married, you keep trying, and then yes. you find out that you're, you know, you're, you're having issues conceiving. Whereas this time around, we found out before then. Which is a good, it's better, I guess, yeah. so that you can prep. Exactly. Because yeah. it gave you more time to sort of prep because I'm just imagining like... Mm. Now you've been trying and mm. you really now don't know what mm. the situation is. Mm. You wouldn't have gotten your body, you know, where it needed to be to get yes. pregnant. And yeah. 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 So, but actually you brought on an important topic. Let's mm. talk about partner support. Okay. Is it important to involve your partner? I mean, he wasn't your husband at the time. Yeah. Um, in your PCOS journey. I and why do you think that's. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. I, I just, I can't even imagine going through any of my life's issues without mm, my husband mm. knowing about it or making, you know, getting him involved yeah. somehow. Keeping it a secret yeah, or something. Yeah, because, I mean, it's your life partner. Yeah. You're supposed yeah. to do life together and life's yeah. not easy. And, um, you know, when it, come, when it came to the PCOS, it, for the longest time, it felt very lonely, mm, you mm. know, um, because I didn't know what was wrong with me. This was before I was diagnosed. Yeah. I didn't know. And every time I brought it up with anybody, you know, one or two of my friends who I trusted, yeah. family members, they always brushed it off. The doctors, they always brushed it off like it's really no big deal. Mm -hmm. So many women have this or whatever. And I'm like, no, but mine's really bad. You know, it's yeah, like, oh. yeah. and then they'll look and obviously I've just shaved or I've just When you go waxed. to visit and yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then they'll be like, oh no, but I don't see anything. It's like, yeah, but you don't, I don't let it get to that level yeah, where it's bad. Um, and so when, when I, confided in my husband who, had, mm -hmm. who was my boyfriend at the time and he saw how bad it got yeah he was like babe it's nothing you know it's not like you're doing anything like you know to cause Wrong. this yes yes and he believed me i think he was the first person to believe me that there was something not quite right yes. about yes. my body you know it was reacting to something or whatever it was and so um it just made sense to to include him in yes. the, the post-diagnosis part of my journey. And so I didn't expect it. I didn't even tell him that he needed to. Yeah. But as soon as that my doctor, my endocrinologist said, you need to go on a low GI diet, my husband was just like, okay, what do we need to do? Yeah. You know, we went to the grocery store together. <laughs> yes. You know, um, the, the doctor gave me like a little list um list sort of like a chart mm -hmm. i still have it on my fridge of low gi foods you know high gi foods and medium and the things that i should be eating the things i shouldn't be eating yeah. and in combination with what my husband went through that with me you know instead of mm -hmm. white rice we bought brown rice yes. instead of you know normal um i don't know what it's called like normal pasta um the wheat that they use for pasta yeah. it's uh now it's durham wheat pasta so yeah. he went through all of the ingredients of things you know Jeez. that we we would cook and put you know like yeah. changed everything as well cuz he's like look if you're going to go on it i'm going to go on it too yeah so um, I really felt that there was so much like solidarity, yeah. Um, you know, uh, from from that experience. And so I'm imagining it now. If I hadn't have told him, 
I would have changed my diet and he would have been like, why are you eating these yeah, things? Why like, are you eating this? It's yeah. horrible. First why, why of all, like, <laughs> brown rice. Let, let's just talk about Let's unpack. I brown rice. I love brown really? rice. Really? Okay, I Ooh. really do. Okay. We, we recently changed to white. I'm coming to your house. Come to taste girl. this Come brown through. rice because the, the one, the brown, like the brown rice that I have had, I'm just like, oh, <laughs> I it's healthy. for it. Because you know what? With my kids now, they yeah. don't like brown rice. Yeah. So now we're buying both white Mixed and up. brown. <clears throat> yeah. So sometimes the brown has finished and we need to eat. So, you yeah. know, my husband will just make white rice. And I'm like, I cannot be eating this stuff, guys. Yeah, yeah. And when when we switched over, you know, back yeah. to, to brown. Well, I've switched over. I told him, look, I'm going back to brown. I'm fuller for longer. Yes. I'm not eating a ton of rice. Yes. And that's really yes. the whole point of the low GI diet. It's act- and this is why I think it was really great and commendable for of my husband to to do it with me because he mm-hmm. said it's not going to harm me. Yeah. You know, I would also like to eat healthier. And yeah. this, you know, it's not like telling me that I I'm going vegan. It's yeah. not that okay, drastic. That, yeah, that would have been deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it's just I much more you. healthy. So he he was really into that um exercising as well. We started going to the gym together. Mm-hmm. So when it came to the fertility part as well, if I think if you if you leave your husband or your partner out of that conversation, yeah. um, it really I think there's going to be quite a disconnect. Hundred percent. When it comes to that journey, especially if you start struggling to conceive, yeah, because you know. you're going to be frustrated, and he's not going to know why, right? And it'll trickle down into your relationship. Exactly. Um, the fact that he actually jumped on and said, "Let's do this." Mm. Um, also gave you something to do together. I mean, now you're gymming yeah. together. Yeah. Now you're having this rice. You're like, how? Tell me the truth. How is it? How is the brown rice? Are we Are we winning? You know. And you you get to experiment this food, this new foods that you have to incorporate in your diet mm-hmm. together. So he knows exactly what you're going through. Yes. So even if he's like, okay, um, this weekend I'm gonna have chips or whatever. Uh, but he still understands that you cannot. Exactly. And you need to have this yes. rather than that. So yeah. I think the fact that he jumped on, shout out to good husbands. Woo, woo. Woo, woo. <laughs> the fact that he actually jumped on and helped you on yeah. this journey yeah. is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that, yeah, 100%. Uh, problems of fertility, mm. you always have to involve your husband. Yeah. Um, there was a situation where... Um, so, you know, African women in the African mm. society. And that's why we, we actually discuss these things in a community like this. Because this will reach a fellow African woman out right. there who does not understand the need mm. of involving your your partner in, mm. you know, your, your body issues. Mm. Right? And um, we come from a background, I mean, East Africa, where, I mean, it's you as a woman to sort it out. Yes. It's not a us problem, mm-hmm. it's a you problem. Yeah. Um, so there was a time that uh, I know someone who was like struggling with fertility and stuff and they did the test on the woman and the woman was fine. I was about to say, do you know how many of those stories are out there? Yeah. It takes two to make a baby. Yes. It's not always the one person, the woman. Yes. Who's at fault. I put that in quotes. Yeah. Yeah. You know? The, the so-called problem or the issue could be with the man. Yeah. But it's automatic from, I don't know, a medical I, point of view. I do not, because maybe society. we carry we carry the child. Yes. So already society assumes that it's our responsibility to get everything sorted mm. there. So with that case, 
Um, I have had, look, um, I chat to people who even chat to people on the ground in East Africa, in mm-hmm. Tanzania, in Kenya, mm. um, where it got so bad, she had to go and fall pregnant with somebody else <gasps> just to keep the family happy. And these are things that happen every day. Now, here's, here's my question, though. Did they know that she fell pregnant with someone else? No, she was actually, she confessed like an- anonymously. So it was like an anonymous conversation about fertility yes. and it came up. So these are things that are going on every day in our society. Mm. And we're like, oh, but obviously, but no, mm. even in the modern times, like there are situations where the person had to go and do this test. Like there's this test that women do. I have forgotten the name. I think it's HCG where mm. you check and see if everything, that's one of the most painful tests of fertility. Mm. But they went through that and finally found that it's not them. Mm-hmm. And when, so when the, the situation was like, so when, okay, finally, actually here are my results. I have no problem whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so the guy had to go and actually he was the issue. Mm-hmm. And it became such a big thing. And sometimes, like, they don't even accept the result. Yeah. They say maybe you went to talk to the doctor. Mm. And, you know, just normalizing these conversations of fertility Mm -hmm. is so important. I think that um, (laughs) the whole thing about men and their bodies and when it comes to health is like a topic of it's a whole conversation. It's a different day yeah, because yeah. Um, I don't know what it is about men in general. I yeah. am generalizing, right? But they are so much more um, nervous, embarrassed. Yes. I don't know what the word is to get checked. Yes. Um, to admit that maybe they carry the may problem. have the issue they may have the yes. issue and then to do something about it yes um i think obviously at the end of the day we are very much um you know it, all of us are part of this patriarchal society yeah. where you know men are put up on a pedestal True. and they are untouchable and in in every aspect of life yeah yeah but when it comes to building a family um, starting a family, having children and things like that, especially if you're in a marriage and you guys yes. are agreeing to build this family, you need to be on the, the same page. page. You need to respect each other's bodies. Yeah. Yeah. You need to understand what's going on with your wife yes. or your and partner vice and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. And so for it to be, you know, you are you are bringing new people into this world. Yes. You know, that shouldn't be a conversation that you do not have. Or uh, have to deal with by yourself. Exactly. But I see like a lot of gynees now are, let's say you were coming to have the fertility conversation. Mm -hmm. They will actually not accept the appointment Mm -hmm. if you're by yourself. Oh, that's great. Or if we have tested you and you're fine. Yes. The next appointment is not being taken without the husband. Good. Because um, sometimes, unfortunately, like if you go and say, maybe I've done everything and everything is okay. I mean, as you said, it's a patriarchal society. Mm. And you go and speak to your husband and you, people are different. Mm. You Mm. don't know how they may take it. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's actually better for them to get it from a professional. Yes. Yeah. So, ladies, if there is a situation where maybe your husband is not, uh, f- like believing you, let's let's just yeah. call a spade a spade. Yes. Believing you about the fertility issue. Another thing is take them to the doctor. Yeah. And if that can. If, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we have to try everything <laughs> at, at this point. But um, thank you for joining me and um, allowing us to normalize these conversations. Um, 
uh, of fertility and PCOS. I always find that it takes a little bit of like time yeah, for yeah. someone to be like, okay, I have, I, a, question. I have a question. now. Because I think uh, obviously these um, topics are like, they can be sensitive. quite sensitive. Yeah. I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, I am just going to speak. I'm going to yeah. share my journey. I don't care who's in the room. Yeah. I don't care who's, you know, it's going to reach somebody. Yeah. But yeah. I know that for, for some other women, they're not they're used like, to that. Just and they're yet. not ready to share. Right. But the fact that we actually sat and spoke on this mm. um we have done something to you today. I really hope so. <laughs> I do. So thank you so much for joining me on the yeah first official episode of the Mama Happy Hour podcast. Um, where can they find you, Aisha? Um, where can they not find me? Is the question. <laughs> <laughs> I am on all major social media platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and now TikTok. <laughs> Yes. Um, my handle is the same across all platforms. It's okay. at Aisha and Life, A-I-S-H-A-A-N-D-L-I-F-E, as well as the whole Mama Show is my podcast. And yeah, I'm going to yeah. be having Rachel I as wait, a guys. guest when I'm season excited. four returns. So I'm very excited about that. That's where we have honest conversations, untold stories of motherhood. Um, yeah. And on my blog, I almost forgot my blog, yes. AishaandLife.com. Guys, um, please go and listen to our stories. Like I have never seen, well, I've never resonated with somebody online the way I did with Aisha. Like even before I knew her, I was like, she's cool. We can be friends. Aww. We, I mean, like, cause I understood like the way you explain things is you're not beating around the bush. It's not airbrushed motherhood. Right. Right. Oh, I like that. Yes. It's not airbrushed motherhood. Yes. And that is why I follow the content. And a lot of people that I will bring across the podcast is real, mm. real conversation, mm. you know, because um, there are things that are happening to us that people just don't want to talk about. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. So thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. And congratulations. And, oh, thank you. Thank you, everybody who has joined today. Um, and from me and Aisha, I am your host, Miss Wakesho, on the Mama Happy Hour podcast. And I will see you guys on the next one. Bye. 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 <laughs>